Hello, my name is Evan Ferris. My name is Noah Bales. And my name is Micah Bales, no relation. And my name is Brandon Harvey. And welcome back to our podcast, Good Enough to Get By. Where some of your dreams come true. Today we will be going over a crime committed in Iowa, and it will be split up, the story will be split up into distinct parts between Brandon doing the beginning Noah doing the events that lead to it or, like, the actual, like, planning. Uh, Micah doing the climax or, like, how it happened, where it happened, all that. And then I will be doing how, like, the police got there after the fact, after the actual crime. And then Brandon will also be doing our ending. So with that being said, is everyone all right? Are we going to start? Yes. Yeah. All right. Then Brandon, lead us off. All right. This reads, On a very boring day at the police station, around 5.30 p.m., the phone rings, breaking into silence uncommon for the room. The dispatcher picks it up, eager for something exciting, but is instead faced with a voice, Hi, hello? We have someone here who doesn't seem okay. After getting more details, police are sent straight there. Earlier that evening, at the Martin household, Charles was sitting with his family when he hears his phone buzz from the kitchen. Wondering who could be texting him, he stands up and walks to check. Michael, he exclaims. I haven't talked to him for a month, and now he has to go get drinks? His wife, Angela, tells him it's a great idea to catch up with his family. I can watch Abigail tonight if you'd like. You're a lifesaver. Thank you so much. I'll be back at a reasonable time. Just don't wait to eat dinner with me. All right, and that was really just the beginning, you know, kind of setting a a scene for what happened and what led to the actual crime. So now we're going to go to Noah, who's going to describe the main leading events that happened before the crime is committed. Like, go into detail, tell us what's going to happen. Noah? Yep. And as Michael slammed the door of his Pontiac Firebird shut, a vehicle he takes an immense amount of pride in, that'll come back later, the era filled with spaghetti-like aroma, reminding him of the good old days. He reminded himself that he's a one-man crew and has no family, his wife being the main exception. With the turn of a key and a roar of the engine, Michael pulls out of the driveway, immediately, quote-unquote, k- kicks it. And he he just drives. He goes for it. He's going 90 and a 30. It's crazy, dude. He's swerving. He's moving. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And as he, uh, and he stops in front of Michael's house. Michael's shocked, right? And he's a really small dude, so he almost gets hit. And he's, like, small, small. Like, I mean, Martin. Martin's a really small dude. And so he's, like, jumping, trying to see who's in the car because he hasn't seen the car yet, even though, like, Mar- Michael's had it forever, right? And then as, as the car pulls over... Martin, uh, he gets in, and he's like, dude, are you, are you crazy? You, you nut job? He's crazy. He's mad. Charles <laughs> Martin guy sounds like an angry New Yorker. <laughs> uh, hey, he's from Boston. Don't get that confused. He's people, from Boston, but he's living people in are Iowa. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, immigrants. They, dude, <laughs> like, immigrants? I don't think that's how that works. But as, Quite the downgrade from New York to <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> potato <laughs> land. You know what? Housing costs that's up there Idaho. are insane, by the way. You ever try to buy a house up there? Dude, no, uh, no, so, no. I've actually never tried to buy a house in Iowa because you know I'm not 40 years old. <laughs> well, uh, are, you, are you buying from? All right. Either way, <laughs> as, as he stops the car and Martin gets in, he's a little freaked out and a little ticked off, right? And he's like, "There's a booster seat ready for him because he's really small and he needs to see." <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't worry about it. And as he, uh, and basically. M- Michael, he's like, he's like now because he he wants to drive because he just felt that rush, right? And you know he's just going for it again. 
but it's like he he keeps crashing. Like it's not even funny. Like <laughs> like they hit so many mailboxes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh my god. Like, no, like the property damage. Out of here, dude. Thankfully, Is that the crime? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's uh, that's just you know, a, a normal Saturday for this guy. He's oh. crazy, dude. And uh, either way, he uh, him and Martin, they're driving, they're talking. They haven't talked in a while, you know. And uh, Martin's a nice dude. He's feeling bad for Michael because he thinks Michael has just been fired from his job. He assumes it's in the government because Michael can't talk about it. And he always gives him like a weird looks when he tries to bring it up. So Martin's oh, okay. like, yeah, Martin's, you know, he's he's a little, you know, he, he feels bad for him. So he's like, even though he doesn't like Michael, as Michael's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Like, oh, there's, <laughs> no, dude. Oh, no, this dude's bad. And then he, uh, you oh. know, so Martin, you know, he just, he feels bad for him. So he's like, whatever, you know, like Michael wants to hang out. I'll, you know, I'll hang out with him. You know, he he he, he needs this, right? So he's like, let's get some wings, dude. I'm I'm craving some wings, dude. So, and even though Martin is a little annoyed about, like, the crazy driving, it's, it's, it's just too wild for him. And as the car pulls over, he, uh, Martin, like, because they're about to get some wings, and, you know, Michael's pretty excited. He's, he had this weird look on his face, but, you know, Martin doesn't know what to make of it. You know, he's like, Michael, he's just a, he's a weird guy. This, he's a, he is a character. And as they pull over, you know, yeah, uh, they pull up to the Buffalo Wild Wings, and, uh, Side by side, as equals, they walk into the chicken heaven as not best buds, but real cousins. <laughs> All right. So that was our uh, leading up to the main conflict of this story that, remember, takes place in Iowa, the most exciting state in America. <laughs> uh, but also, do not forget this Pontiac Firebird. That will come Pontiac Firebird. Okay. Then that's uh, Michael's car, the not short one, right? Uh, yeah, no. He's actually, he's like average height. He's, he's like average height, but five ten and maybe a half. But he's pushing the half. But this uh, this Darwin or not Darwin? Sorry, this uh, what was his name? Uh, who you talking about? The the guy, the short guy. Oh, Martin. Martin. Martin? That's yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know. I said Darwin. Uh, close friends call him Marty, though. Marty. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not a close friend. Uh, so he is like aggressively short, like almost like you look at him, you're like, dang, that guy is short, and it like makes you angry. Like, right? how, how, how short are we talking? How short are we talking? Like, he is, like, he actually did really well in his high school long jump in, like, track stuff, track and field. But what's his height? What does that have to do with his height? <laughs> no, because does he jump really he high? He's so short. He, he has to jump because he was, he was playing Super Mario Bros. when he was a kid. When I was a kid recently, actually, like, when he saw his kid land. And he, uh, you know, he just saw it and was like, I got to do that. So he just started jumping. Started and jumping. Yeah, dude. And he's really good at Quite like, the occupation. So yeah. back to my question, how tall is he? <laughs> uh, dude, <you> know. <laughs> he is a small little man, dude. That, that doesn't a, answer this question. Some, let's get some numbers. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm saying he's he's pushing five feet, okay? Oh, my oh, gosh. Wow. pushing five feet. Man. He's real short. Okay. Okay. He well, might no, have a he, syndrome. No, but he actually... <laughs> yeah, you're not. Uh, yeah, All that's right. right. So that was our, 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 leading, our leading cause, our... Uh, like, you could say rising action, like a like an indent, uh, English diagram kind of thing. So now we're gonna lead into Micah, who is gonna describe the the uh, the meat and potatoes of this story, the the main course. You yeah, ready? yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's hear it. As they walk into the restaurant, and they signal for our server to give them this table to sit down and think about what they want on the menu. They can't help but reminisce about the past few years that they've missed together. Although a couple minutes beforehand, Michael Mikey Taylor told Martin he had to use the little boy's room, and he slipped in round the back and entered through a five foot seven tall door, 
Michael having an in with the Buffalo Wings Wild Wings cook because he was with him in the mafia back in 82. They called him the Chicken Man. Although they are not on good terms, technically they're on bad terms based on the haircut he gave his dad. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, Chicken Man thought to himself. Chicken Man lets Mikey slip in super secret special spicy salvation sanitizers <laughs> as as he's cooking the batch of wings specially for Charles. <laughs> as they order their food, Mikey changes the order to mango habanero. So the spicy sauce, which if you haven't figured out by now, is lethal poison. Food now served on the table, hands cupped together. The scent of the spice draws suspicion from Charles. <laughs> A curious cat he is. He digs in curious faster cat, than Mikey suspected. Oh, he is a curious cat. He's a curious cat, yeah. huh? <laughs> so he digs in faster than Mikey expected, and heat kicks in soon, mouth salivating, running to the restroom with dreary eyes full of water. Restroom door kicked open, falling to the floor, seeing a glimpse of feet under the stall. Oh, I was going to say, I really hope there's another guy in there. Yeah. He, he's just like pooping, and there's a guy kicks down the door. <laughs> well, little did he know there is. Okay. <laughs> Back in the restaurant, Mikey hears the slap of the fall on the floor. This is his cue to run, fleeing the scene. The image of Charles Martin pops in his head. His most beloved third cousin now, gone by his own power. The waste, or the guys at waste management better let me back in the business for this one, he says. His his favorite third cousin? Yeah, that's How many does he one. have? Uh, he Didn't it say he had like three. four or five? <laughs> oh, okay. It might, yeah. okay, I guess yeah, I just that, wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I thought he said four or five. All right, so that's, that's uh, Micah's part where... Um, you know, the, uh, describing the, uh, I don't have to say crime anymore, the murder that happened during it with the, uh, w- what was it? What was it called? What was that poison called? Let me, let me find it. <laughs> Super secret spicy special salvation sanitizer sauce. <laughs> That's a lot of S's. <laughs> All right. It's serious. <laughs> oh. oh. I, I think, it. I think they need to I update the name. Yeah. All no, right, no, no. So, after the main part, I've got what follows that, which I'll, I'll just go ahead and start off. So we start off with flashing lights, blue and red. The police arrive at the scene. It's pouring now. Customers have evacuated and employees are being questioned. Enter Emily Darwin, a senior officer and homicide specialist who has been on the force for a while. Her background in UFC gave her a special advantage when applying to join the force, And as Emily walks in, crouching under police tape and hastily opening the front door, she sees police chief Muhammad Butler. Oh, dang, the chief is here. Must be serious, she thinks. Muhammad was an older gentleman, deaf in his left ear and blind in his right eye, who has been working as a police chief for upwards of 20 years. Hey, chief, so uh, what happened? A middle-aged man was killed here in the bathroom. Looks like poison. Lab hasn't given us results yet, replied the chief. Emily Darwin looks towards the bathroom to her right and reluctantly fumbles toward it. Upon opening the door, she sees a detective, a nurse, and paramedics investigating the body in the scene. None of them mutter a word. Officer Darwin stares at the lifeless body on the ground. He appears to be foaming at the mouth, but not that much. Detective Wallace M. Burns, or Wally, as he's called by his friends, studies the scene carefully. So what happened, questions Emily. 
Well, I mean, clearly he was poisoned. He's foaming at the mouth, and the sink is full of vomit. What else could it be? Remarks Burns. Jeez, dude, I'm no detective. I just wanted to know. Burns doesn't reply. <laughs> Officer Darwin exits the building and then assures the maybe six people standing behind the police tape that everything is under control and they've got what they need sent to the lab. She gets back in her police car and takes a deep breath. She's always seems flustered and, you know, flustered and like overwhelmed by crime scenes and homicide scenes. So after she takes a deep breath, she immediately turns on her car and heads toward the lab that they send in with like DNA and like types of poison they find to see if they can identify it. Once she makes it to the lab, she waits in reception for a couple seconds, lets them know who she is, who she's with, and what she's doing there, and they take her down to, like, the testing area kind of thing. She doesn't learn much as the results haven't been confirmed yet and nothing is for sure, but she knows enough to come back to the crime scene and let the chief know that the lab is getting everything under control. They're trying as hard as they can, and they should have a result back within the next day or two. The chief seems, he seems relieved knowing that the lab is at least working their hardest to solve this homicide case. She walks back into the crime scene to see that only the detective is left, and he looks puzzled. He hasn't been able to identify how the poison entered his system, and while it is a Buffalo Wild Wings, and it seems kind of obvious, so she has a small chat with him, uh, nothing of importance, nothing that was recorded, and uh, she makes her way back out and goes to the question civilians and employees sitting or waiting for a result to come back. She asks them what they know. Some of them don't respond because they're not legally required to tell her. And she sees in the distance a, middle, a middle-aged appearing woman running from on a sidewalk with a car behind her that seems to have a little girl in it. And the girl, or the woman, I should say, runs to her and identifies herself as uh, the victim's wife. She is hyperventilating. She is absolutely panicking. She doesn't know where her husband is. It's been hours, and she, she cannot get a hold of Michael either. So Angela Martin, his wife, uh, who has a PhD in psych, uh, zoology, I don't know why that was included, but it seems important, after she asks Officer Darwin all these questions, Officer Darwin can't reply to any of these because they're being asked too fast immediately after one another. She begins to mutter on about our cousin or his cousin Michael. He was just here. He took him out for drinks. And this sparks a thought in Officer Darwin's mind. He took him out for drinks. There, there has to be some sort of correlation there. A man that, according to the, uh, his wife, he hasn't spoken to in months or a month is asking out for drinks and then the one time he asks him out for drinks he just dies abruptly with what seems to be poison the conclusion is obvious in her mind here and she goes to tell the chief all right and that's about all i have to add to this story so now we're going to go back to brandon who started us off and is going to end it off as well with our conclusion so before I start off our conclusion, I did make sure to check when Nelson was talking about our um, poison used. Uh, I, I googled to see who created the super secret spicy special salvation sanitation sauce. 
And okay. it turns out it was Gwendolyn Jones herself. Oh, Gwendolyn Jones. Renowned physicist. Oh and my gosh. Chemist. Deep she history. has she was arrested for this. Oh, that's um, not she it was intend. deemed a war crime to use super secret special uh salvation sanitation sauce. And so that really like that just threw everyone for a loop. That that poison was able to get out in such a short amount of time after her arrest. Yeah. Mm. Give me, give me two seconds, real quick. It actually says here that Gwendolyn Jones was an opera singer, so I don't know what you're talking about, Brandon. That may, that may well, have been before her. Yeah. Well, mad it seems here days. obituary. Gwenny J's living two lives. Don't, <laughs> I don't think she'd appreciate. It. <laughs> oh I mean, well, she was alive at about the same time that this happened, so that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. There fine. could also be multiple Gwendolyn Jones. They yeah. just don't want. I, I mean, the mafia, the mafia's two jobs, waste management, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. All right, I'm sorry for doubting you. Brandon, kick us off. All right. So after um, Angela goes back to the detective or the police officer and was talking to her about, you know, what all had happened, she told her, you know, I really think it was Michael. I used to be a sparring partner with Michael. We, me and him would practice jiu-jitsu all the time. And... I got to know him really well while we were there. And so throughout the t- throughout the days he told me about all these like special places he could go and like he basically had connections to anyone and anything he could ever want. And so I truly believe that uh through his connections and such he may he may really heavy may have been the one to poison Martin. I mean, if that's not like, if that's not spine tingly, you know, sending cold chills down your back, I don't know what is. So they went and they tested his DNA. They they saw, you know, he was there at the same time, pretty obvious, but they caught him on the security cameras going back behind the Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, why would he need to go back there? He said, oh yeah, I need to use a restroom, but there isn't a restroom in the back alley. What is he doing? Peeing on the sidewalk? Yeah, what, what, what's this delinquent doing back there? And, you know, they cut to a different security camera. They're, it's owned by the company next door. They're like, oh my goodness, he goes in the back. So they go, they check. Kitchen security cameras, what do they see? They see him hand this, this, this man, this chef, this random vial. And they're looking at it, they look closer like, that's the same color as super secret spicy special salvation sanitation sauce. And oh, so they drew the conclusion, you know, Michael got his hands on this from, you know, Gwendolyn Jones herself. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a turn of events. He yeah. was so it turns out he was there when she was arrested. Ooh. And as she was being put into the car, she handed him that vial. She said, find a way to replicate this and get it you know to everyone ever. I have a quick question. Yeah. Uh, you said that they were able to identify it by its color. What color is it? It is bright, bright pink. Semi, bright pink. Wow. Semi-glowing. You know what else that could have been? Pepto what? Bismol. Fabric softener. Oh. Fabric softener is... Uh, well, no, it was, like, it was a very blue. hazy pink. What okay? kind of fabric it's softener are you there. drinking, huh? Uh, <laughs> Mine's pink. Are we talking hot pink or just bright? Oh, yeah. No, what? No, what's your fabric softener? Hot pink. Okay. Yep. And not the same thing. Oh, is it bright pink? Yeah, mine's oh, like a okay. bright, you got you like, got to be there to know. Yeah, okay, you got to be in the yeah. know to know. You yeah. Know? I yeah I know. Oh, I'm glad you know. 
And so basically the closer for this was, you know, he was arrested, he was questioned, and he was charged with, you know, war crimes because he had used poison. He used the super secret spicy special sal- salvation uh, sanitation sauce. Yeah. And so what what other Shocking. what yeah, what other option would there be than to sentence him to life three times? Three times. Wow. For his life, for the life he took, and for his daughter's life growing up without a father. Wow. I know. That is it, heartbreaking. It it really is. You know, my 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 condolences go out to his daughter Abigail. That daughter Abigail, I just want to let you know I want to add something. That daughter Abigail grew up to be the well-known Facebook executive Mark Zuckerberg. It happened. Wow. It, it's truly heartwarming that yeah. she went from her father being murdered by her own her own father's third, third cousin. Yeah. Yeah. To being almost her uncle. The <laughs> the, the, the Facebook person. The face. The, 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 face, of the Facebook the face. mascot we know the today. The face. Exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. All Iowa, in little Iowa. Yeah, Iowa's got it going on. Nope. All right. So that's the end of our story. Michael got hit with the, the hammer of justice, and that's it. <laughs> what happened to Angela? And the wife? Oh, she yeah. went mad and like died or something. I don't know. It's it's not important. That story is uh, classified. Oh, yeah, that, that's it's it's in a there. case. It's in like a a file that they put in a secure cabinet. Yeah. Well, they did that with the uh, the special sauce too, but oh. you know that got out. So and the, yeah, expect clearly. us back and episode I mean, four. Yeah, if you have ever <laughs> tried putting sauce in a cabinet. Just doesn't work that well. What are you talking? About? Like a filing cabinet? Like putting no, sauce no, in a like any cabinet? cabinet. Like it's a liquid. It's gonna drip out. Yeah, it just does not. You put hold. the sauce in a container. Well, then that's not a cabinet. Yeah. But then you put the container in the cabinet. Well, that's putting a container in the cabinet, not the sauce. Oh, so I do have a question Mind though. Blowing. Actually, I have a what question. is your What's question? What happened to the future of like, like the sauce? Like, uh, oh, like, I don't so know. They Would they you, they to... claim that it's eradicated. That it's all <laughs> oh, gone yeah. right now. Yeah. But my, in my honest belief, the coroner who did, you know, the autopsy on this this guy that was poisoned found a little remnants inside of him, scooped it out, and made billions and billions. Okay. So if, if you couldn't tell by now, that, that story is completely made up. It's better than real. Yeah, it's better than real, hey, as we like uh, to say. I mean, only some of your dreams come true. Okay. Where else would you find such an intriguing and mind-boggling story than... Mion cranium and Mion mate cranium. I can see no one agrees with nowhere me. Yeah, nowhere else. Nowhere, exactly. Yeah, you would, you would the, find the, it nowhere else. Insane nowhere membrane? Else. I don't know what you said. Yeah, sh- <laughs> no, I mean, no, not, not at Walmart, for sure. Hilarious. All right, so I think with that, that's probably gonna that's probably gonna end it for today. This was a shorter episode because uh, we felt like it would be nice to have an episode that was shorter but more story driven. And that's all we have today. So, uh, once again, my name is Evan Ferris. My name is Noah Bills. My name is Michael Bills. No relation. My name is Brandon Harvey. And thank you for listening to our podcast, Good Enough to Get By. We'll see you next time. <laughs>